0: Hey friend, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. I know you're getting to know me pretty well since you're hearing from me every week, but I want a chance to know you better too. So the best place to do that is probably Instagram where a majority of us hang out on social media. So come say, hey, come find me, come follow me at Becky Morquetto. It's B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O. And tell me what you're up to today. Tell me what's been a saving grace for you during this pandemic. Tell me your favorite color. I'll take anything. I just want to learn a little bit more about you too. So seriously, hit pause on this episode, send me a message so I know who you are, what you're up to, what you're into, and then head back over and listen into to this week's episode. Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Morkecho, and you're listening to episode 36. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is Maisie Robinson. Maisie is a licensed professional counselor specializing in helping women discover their true voice as they navigate self worth and self esteem challenges, relationship concerns, and life stage transitions. Maisie also speaks at workshops on topics such as anxiety, healing, healthy relationships, personal growth, and purposeful living. She is a certified Daring Way facilitator presenting on the research and methodology of Dr. Brené Brown to individuals and groups, and she is also the founder and director of Cultivate, a counseling center and community in Atlanta, where she lives with her husband and two sons. Welcome, Maisie oh thank you so much for having me it's great to be here yeah i'm excited to have a a therapist a counselor on with us (laughs) yes yes i promise i will not make this into my own therapy session (laughs) (laughs) but i'm pretty sure i'm going to learn a thing or two today i'm excited to chat with you just about um stress and disappointment those are two things that i feel like are very relevant right now in this season that we're living in however um, they're not new to anybody like those things right. have been around and they're going to be around after COVID, you know, this odd season sort of leaves us. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to dive in because I know for myself and just a lot of my friends and women like stress is something that affects all of us in different ways. Mm-hmm. And regardless of our personality types or our strength or weakness or whatever, how we process it, like we all it's there for all of us and it might look different. Yeah. Um, but it's there. Um, So can you first just tell us a little bit about what stress does to us, like to our mind, our body, our, our soul, all of it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question.
1: And thank you again for for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So I completely agree with you. Um, Whether we're living in a global pandemic or not, (laughs) stress is a part of our lives. Um, It's a big part of uh, some of our lives. And so one of the things that I have found just in my own personal life, in working with clients, is it's helpful to understand what stress is, Mm -hmm. um, what it isn't. and, and just really unpacking the, the topic of stress. And so I think the first place we have to start is our brain. And so if you think about our brain, our brain, it's one function in life is to keep us alive. That, that's its job in the body right stomach's job is to digest food brain's job is to keep us alive yeah and so since that is the brain's job that means that our brains are constantly assessing our environment to see if we are okay if we are in danger and the thing about it is our brains really see danger as a black and white thing you're either okay Or you're in danger. And we kind of have to teach our brains that there's a lot in between that. And so our brains are always looking for tigers, right? It's that old fight or flight response. And if your brain senses that you are in danger, and our brain senses things like change, uncertainty, leaving our comfort zone, facing unknowns, pain, et cetera, et cetera. Our brain, um, registers those things as dangerous, as tigers. And so our brain is going to throw us into fight or flight mode. Our brain is going to throw us into this anxiety stress response. And so, in a lot of ways, stress and anxiety are a very natural part of the way our body functions. Mm -hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, stress and anxiety are a very important part because they keep us alive. You know, if for, if I went and stood on the roof of a building and looked over and thought, I can fly. Yeah, I can fly. <laughs> then uh, problems would happen, right? Yeah. But when I go stand on the roof of a building and I look over the edge, that that stress response, that anxiety response is going to kick in and my brain's going to be like, whoa, 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 this is dangerous. You do not need to do this. And so I think it's just helpful to understand kind of what stress and anxiety are because we tend to think they're so bad. Yeah. Um, but but the way that I like to look at it is sometimes our stress and anxiety are trying to keep us small. They're trying to keep us in that comfort zone, which is something we want to look at. And sometimes they're actually trying to protect us. And we want to be able to discern that difference in our stress and anxiety response. When is this protection and when is this fear and trying to keep myself small? So what happens when we get thrown into this stress response? Now I'm finally getting to your
0: No, question. this is so good.
1: It's so good to hear that background, though. I love it. Keep going. Um, and so what happens, lots of things immediately begin to happen in our body. And again, it's, it's all connected to this fight or flight response. So adrenaline starts coursing through your veins, right? Because you got to fight the tiger. Or you got to run from the tiger. Um, your breathing gets quicker because you got to have that oxygen to fight the tiger or run from the tiger. Um, your blood sugar increases. Your blood pressure increases. Your stomach stops digesting food normally because think about it, if your brain thinks you need to fight mm-hmm. or you need to run, your body doesn't need to waste energy digesting that hamburger. Your you body's <laughs> busy doing other things. <laughs> That's right. You got to conserve that energy. Um, our pupils begin to dilate. Um, our hair begins to stand up on our arms and on our legs, um, which is kind of an interesting thing. So mm-hmm. physically, we have all of these responses and then cognitively, our thinking changes when we are in this stress response. Um Uh, our memory we struggle with our memory because again think about it if your brain thinks you're in danger and needs to run or or fight you really don't need to remember what you did two weeks ago it's not relevant to the situation Um, so we have trouble remembering things we have trouble making long-term decisions it affects everything yeah it affects everything because we're so focused on the present and on survival and then emotionally um, I think it's also helpful to understand how it impacts our emotions because I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, I'm, stress will manifest as stress. Anxiety will manifest as me being anxious. And that is the case for a lot of us. But for some of us, when we are feeling stressed and anxious, those feelings may manifest in different ways, such as frustration. Mm-hmm. We may be really short-tempered or impatient when we're actually feeling anxious. Uh, we may get really quiet and withdrawn and sad when we're actually feeling stressed and anxious. Um, we may start to over-function. You know, we're going to micromanage and clean out every cabinet and mop the floors 14 times <laughs> a day and make sure everybody's doing every little thing they need to do. Or we may just may become paralyzed by the how overwhelming things are. Um and so I think all of this is really helpful to understand at any given time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's especially helpful to understand right now. Because, you know, for instance, if you're having trouble sleeping, yeah, that's really understandable. Your body has a ton of adrenaline coursing through its veins mm-hmm. and your your brain doesn't think you need to sleep because there's a tiger lurking <laughs> yeah. around. If you have been having digestive issues, that's really understandable because you're stressed and your body isn't digesting food in the same way. If you've had trouble concentrating or remembering things, that's really understandable. And so I think it, like I said, I think it's helpful because I think sometimes we can get stressed about our stress. We can get anxious about our (laughs) our anxiety. And so if you understand, oh okay, so this is actually normal. This isn't a weakness. This isn't a lack of faith. This isn't a lack of trust. There's not something wrong with me. I am in a state of anxiety because there are anxiety inducing things around me. Yeah. I think it can be very helpful to actually lower our anxiety.
0: Well, wow, that's so good. <laughs> like giving yourself permission to let it run its course. I've definitely had anxiety about my anxiety before. So that, yeah. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's totally true. Um, what, where does our brain go? So like in times of stress, um, what are some common thought patterns you say a little bit like, okay, we get anxious about it or like our response to our stress. I remember once I was in, um, a counseling session and, um, I just remember her saying to me, like, I was feeling a certain way and describing a situation where I was having anxiety and like punishing or like getting upset, like, feeling stressed about the anxiety. Like, why am I having this anxiety? Like getting like, I shouldn't be having this anxiety right now. And I remember Mm -hmm. her saying like, be curious about it instead of like being angry at yourself about it or like judging yourself for it. Like be curious about it. Um, So Maisie, what are some kind of common thought patterns? Like that's just one thing that I've personally experienced, Mm -hmm. but that you have heard from um, the women that you work with that, you know, they think about when stress overcomes them. Yes. And I love that. Be curious.
1: That is like one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's so important. Um, but yes. So where do our thoughts go? Um, interestingly enough, our, when we are feeling anxious and stressed, our thoughts automatically go to the negative, which you think, my goodness, how is that helpful or productive for this situation? And it and it's not, but again, if you understand why, mm-hmm. then I think it does help us access that curiosity and that self-compassion, which is ultimately what is helpful. But the reason our thoughts tend to go to the negative when we're already feeling stressed and anxious is because it's connected to the survival mechanism. Your brain is thinking, if I can think of the worst possible case scenario and then figure out how to solve that or fix the problem, then we will survive. And so it. I think, it again, I think it's helpful to just understand when we're feeling anxious, we are going to think more negatively. So we have to really Uh, be tuned into our thinking Mm -hmm. so that we can capture those negative thoughts. Specifically, where I think we go negatively is that uh, we become very critical of ourselves, kind of what you Mm -hmm. were sharing Mm there. Our inner critic really wakes up um, when we are in times of uncertainty, unknowns, facing change. Um, our, Our inner critic does not like that. And so, Really wakes up and starts shouting, questioning, second guessing ourselves, and and so then we're just you know, kind of the victims of this barrage of internal criticism. Um, we we also have a tendency to do a lot of shooting. Mm. I should be mm-hmm. doing that. I shouldn't be doing this. That person over there is doing X, Y, and Z. I should be doing X, Y, and Z. And so then also pulling in that comparison and comparing never leaves us feeling positive, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think also there's a tendency to fall into some all or nothing thinking, um, you know, well, it's either this or it's that, you know, let, let's say you're in a job that you don't like, um, I either stay in this job for the rest of my life or I leave the job and I end up homeless on the street. And there are like (laughs) 14,000 options
0: between those two things. So this inner critic Um, girl is kind of dramatic too. Yeah.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. She's a little bit of a drama mama. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we can fall into that all or nothing. And when we fall into that all or nothing thinking, then we can start to feel really trapped. Like, I have no options. I have no options. And that's when it's really important for us to start to look for those the middle. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I think, um, we can fall into some personalizing. Um, So taking things very personal that maybe don't have anything to do with us. And then that just ramps up the anxiety more because that begins to hit on our sense of worthiness and belonging and connection with others, which is so important. And so, yeah, those are just, just some... Specific paths that I think our mind can go down when it's going into the negative.
0: Yeah. No, I love the like looking for the middle. I totally understand mm-hmm. that. Like it's either this or it's that right now. And there's, it's never really this or that. There's always something else in between. Exactly. <laughs>
1: and, and we just have to kind of slow our minds down and, and, and really intentionally think, all right, let me look for all the middle options between A and Z here.
0: Yeah. Um, how do we begin to do that? Yes, that's a great
1: question. So I so I love what your therapist said. As I said, that's um, one of my favorites. I think, first of all, we have to begin to be curious. And, you know, when we notice these feelings, whether it's anxiety, sadness, disappointment, when we notice our inner critic is really having a time uh, one particular day. We take a posture of curiosity. Just, just notice, almost like you're watching a cloud float by, mm-hmm. um, just notice and become curious. Huh, I'm feeling really anxious today. What is that about? Huh, I'm feeling really sad today. What is that about? Huh, my inner critic, I'm really feeling insecure. My inner critic is really tearing me up. What is that about? And notice I said, what is that about? Not what's wrong with me, Mm. you know, because the what's wrong with me question, which I think a lot of us will engage in, that's a shaming question. So then we just have like shame heaped on, you know, whatever else it is that we're feeling. But the you know, what's going on? What is, what is that about? Um, what does that mean? And so beginning to get curious about it, give ourselves permission to really sit in that feeling, whatever the feeling is, um, And to remind ourselves, feelings come and go. Feelings are like hunger, you know, like you're hungry for dinner and then you're not hungry for dinner and you're hungry for breakfast and then you're not hungry for breakfast. And feelings are the same. Feelings are not meant to be permanent. They aren't permanent. Um, They come and go. And so identifying how we're feeling and really beginning to tune into our thinking, because I think a lot of our negative thinking, it can follow us around so much that we just, it's like background noise. It's like white noise, but we need to really stop and go, OK, what is the story I'm telling myself? And that's a question that I love to encourage clients to to ask themselves. What is the story I'm telling myself about myself? What is the story I'm telling myself about this pandemic? What is the story I'm telling myself about this relationship? And and that helps us really get to those negative thoughts, and then we can begin to tease out the lie from the truth. Because negative thoughts are always rooted in lies. They're always rooted in old hurts, old fears, old wounds, and that have really kind of taken root in our souls. And so we have to uproot that lie and begin to plant that seed of truth. Um, and you know, that seed of truth for all of us is that I'm loved, I'm enough and I am worthy and, and really then begin to work on replacing the truth, the, the, the lie with the truth.
0: Yeah. So good. I totally feel like I'm in my personal counseling session. (laughs) Thanks, Maisie. This is good stuff. Um, I, I know listeners are going to feel the same way. Um, Okay. So we have stress and then something else I just wanted to bring into this conversation is disappointment. Again, like once we're through this pandemic, like disappointment is nothing new to us, but I do know that a lot of people, um, over the last few months have had some major disappointments, um, whether something's been canceled or rescheduled, or it just looks differently than we thought it would talk to me a little bit about disappointment and how we, feel those things, but then like let them go in a healthy way. What is what does that look like? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I I think disappointment is a huge issue right now. And you know, one of the interesting things about this season is that we have all experienced disappointment. I, I really can't think of a of a scenario where someone maybe hasn't where where someone has been protected from disappointment right. in the past um, 10, 11 weeks. We, you know, we've all experienced loss, And we've all experienced disappointment. And, you know, some of those losses, some of those disappointments, they are tangible and concrete. You know, there has been loss of life. There has been loss of finances, loss of businesses, loss of jobs. Those are very concrete, tangible things. But then there has also been so much loss and disappointment around um, you other things, you know, our routines. Oh my goodness. We love our, <laughs> we love our routines. Um, all the, all the individuals who are graduating from preschool or kindergarten or high school or college or graduate school, proms and vacations and concerts that you were really excited about, birthday plans that you were really excited about, you know, we've all experienced loss. And I think with this loss and disappointment in this season that is a very difficult emotion for us to sit in, um, because it's grief. And just quite frankly, we don't grieve well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of all the emotions that we experience in life, grief is the one that makes us feel the most uncomfortable. It's the one we want to run from the most, right? And um, so the fact that we are in this season of collective loss, grief and disappointment, for a lot of us, we just don't even know what to do with that because it, it feels so uncomfortable. So then, what do we do? And this, this again is where I think it's really helpful to um, to name it. You know, to name the loss. And I think for some of us, that can even feel scary because if I name it, then it makes it real. Yeah. Uh, if I name it, am I being ungrateful for the things that I do have? You know, if I give myself permission to say, I'm so disappointed that we're not going to get to go on our family vacation that we've gone on for the past ten years this summer does, you know, does that make me ungrateful for the fact that I do have a roof over my head and and
0: food in the pantry uh, right now? Totally. And I feel so like I- that's that line, especially right now, it's like, I have all these great things. So, and I feel privileged saying this comment or admitting this, or I feel X, Y, and Z, because I know that like, I have it great in all these other categories. So yeah, like that line of like admitting your grief, but also like, just validating that feeling, but not shaming yourself for that. I feel like it's such a hard thing right now. It is. And I think
1: you just you just nailed the the challenge there and and also kind of the solution in a way, we have to name it. We have to give ourselves permission to name it and and give ourselves self-compassion for that loss. Because yes, our losses are gonna all look different, but they're all significant because To our hearts, to our minds, to our souls, it's still loss. You know, our minds and hearts, they don't categorize loss as big or little. It's just all loss. And so, yes, on the surface, on paper, some of our losses might be different, but to our hearts, it's It's loss and it's significant. So yes, naming the loss, validating our feelings, giving ourselves permission to feel that sadness about it without shaming ourselves. You know, we can be sad about the vacation and... We can be incredibly grateful for our house and our food and the fact that our family is safe and well. And just learning to live in that duality, I think is super important always, but I think it's really important right now of living in the duality. You can be sad and disappointed and maybe even angry that some things have been taken or canceled or postponed, and you can feel grateful that you're healthy, that your family's healthy that you still have your job, um, et cetera, et cetera. And just living in that place, I think, is is very important.
0: Yeah. Um, let's say we haven't had any major disappointments right now, but disappointment exists all the time. Yeah. Um, maybe we just are living in a new normal. Like, mm-hmm. how do we healthfully live with, you know, mind, body, spirit in this, like, new normal we're creating, whether we've had disappointments or loss or we've been stressed and we're on the other side, like what do you feel is a good way to move forward in this time? And again, whether it's this global pandemic or whether it's another time of our life, like these are seasons we go in and out of. I feel like I've been in and out of them many times. So yeah. how how do we create that for ourselves and how do we just start to to live that way?
1: Yes, and I think you're right. We We move in and out of seasons of disappointment. I do think that is what life, the life, our life path is. And so a couple of things I've I've already mentioned, but I think they do apply to this, just giving ourselves permission to to name what has what is hard. Mm-hmm. I think that is always helpful. Practicing that emotional awareness and curiosity. Um, You know, and very simply what that means is just identifying and admitting what we're feeling without judgment, without assessing ourselves or evaluating ourselves. I'm feeling sad today. Let me dig into that and see what am I sad about? I think also sharing what is going on with us. You know, we have to feel it to heal it and and part of feeling it means sharing it. And so having people in our lives that we can talk to, that we can send a text or we can pick up the phone and just say, oh, I'm having a really sad day and I'm not even sure why, but I'm just sad. And to have that person on the other end, give you that empathy and compassion. Oh, I know. I get it. I get it. Sometimes we're sad and we don't even know why. Mm -hmm. So I think connection is a huge part in um, facing and and healing our disappointments and our loss. And I think also this is where we can pull in um, the importance of, of our faith of just recognizing, you know, we we are not alone. You know, when the thing, the interesting thing about loss and disappointment is it feels very isolating. Um, it feels like you are the only one. Um, you, it feels lonely in in the loss. And so that's when I think it's very important to remember, I'm not alone. I can't, I, I cannot see very far the, down the path of my life, but God can. Yeah. God can see the full view. He can see the end of the story. I am not alone in this. Um, it is not necessarily on my shoulders to totally fix this. And, and I think also remembering that at least I find this comforting. Um, you know, we have a God that weeps with us, you know, and, you know, God is not detached. He is not unaware. Um, but we have a God who, who weeps with us. Jesus wept. When Mary and Martha told him about Lazarus, and Jesus knew what he was about to do, but he wept, and and I think that's incredibly comforting right now when when probably a lot of us are asking questions like, well, what does this mean, and where are we going? And but that comfort of God is always with us. He weeps with us. He knows the end of the story, and He is working even when we cannot see it with our own eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think can also be helpful, and just. Leading us through the uncertainty of disappointment and loss.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so good. It's such a good reminder, um, Maisie. As somebody who I have a tendency to, I'm, I know I'm not the only one. Like, get out of the hard stuff quickly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to sit. And I also remember my counselor yeah. saying to me one time, like, I said, "What are we gonna? What do I do?" And she's like, "Just sit here. Like, let's just sit in it." It's like, yes. okay, so I'm here sitting in it. So I'm here sitting in disappointment, or yeah. I'm feeling stressed. Then I'm Becoming more aware, and i'm just i'm just being curious about it, yeah um, where do we go from there like let's say we're we're being aware we're mm-hmm. we're pursuing these things to help ourselves heal and to find you know gratitude and to be on the other side of this mm-hmm. um when when it's hard just to sit in the middle of it, like what mm-hmm. kind of encouragement or advice do you have for somebody who who is aware and is moving forward, but like also is still feeling these things. And it's like, how do we, how do we end up taking this as a, a life skill, I guess is what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that's a great question. And it's one
1: a lot of people have. I think we can have this intellectual understanding of, okay, I'm supposed to sit in it. I hear you saying that to me. What does that actually look like? Yeah. What do I do? And so when I think about sitting in an emotion, a couple of things come to mind. Um, one, a, a tangible thing, I think journaling is very helpful. Um, there's a lot of research that says literally writing and handwriting even more so than typing. Literally writing out our thoughts and our feelings um, is very helpful in beginning to shift our emotional space. Um, I think it's also helpful in, in identifying what is it that I'm actually feeling? What is the, the root thought here? What Mm -hmm. is the, the root story that I'm telling myself about this situation? So journaling is an incredibly helpful tool, uh, when you are trying to sit in an emotion and, and really get in there. I think also to have the mindset of I can leave it whenever I want, you know, because again, I think part of our fear with sitting in emotion is we're afraid if I poke the dam, the dam's going to break and it's going to wash me down the river and I will feel sad for the rest of my life or I will be in this grief for the rest of my life. And but that that is not at all how emotions work. And so to, to remind ourselves, I can I can take a few minutes, I can take an hour and I can be sad. And then I I can get up from that and I can go wash the dishes and do the laundry and you know log into yet another Zoom meeting mm-hmm. and and then I can come back to it and and I think that mindset can also be helpful because we don't feel as like I got to sit with it until it's gone <laughs> you know it's going to be a long time <laughs> right right I can sit with it I can I can tune in and be curious about what I'm feeling and what this feeling is trying to tell me. And then I can get up from it and then I can come back to it later that night and come back to it tomorrow. And and also that right there of just understanding our feelings are always trying to tell us something. So that's what sitting with it means is we're just wanting to understand what the feeling is trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. You know, what the sadness is trying to tell us. It tells us that, wow, I love my family. And I love that family vacation. That is such a mile marker for me um, in the year. And and wow, I just never realized how much that meant to me. And so, you know, in sitting with feelings, we really develop a lot more um, self-awareness. I think it's also another tangible thing when it comes to loss and disappointment to, to market. Um, and so, for instance, if you're one of these people who you were supposed to graduate mm-hmm. this month, oh my goodness, please still put on your cap and gown. Please have someone take pictures of you. Please have someone roll up a piece of paper and tie it with a string and hand it to you. You know, a way of, of marking the thing that we've lost. Um, you know, um, and there are all sorts of ways that we can mark loss. If you wanted to plant um, a, a flower mm-hmm. or a or something in your yard, if you wanted to release a balloon, if you wanted to write something and then, you know, set it on fire, um, uh, taking pictures, um, you know, I think to mark loss in that way is also very helpful when we're dealing specifically with disappointment and loss. Name the disappointment and mark it. Let it be real to you.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. Have you seen from your clients who've done that? Like, have they expressed back to you that that like helped them move forward? Yes, I have. and people are always like, "I don't know
1: how that's going to help." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, you know, it's not going to hurt." It, yeah, so let's- <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> right. It might not, but yeah. it might. <laughs> I, but it's not going to hurt. So. You don't have anything to lose. And they will come back and they will say, you know, I was really surprised, you know, uh, writing about it or um, doing whatever it was that they had decided to do. Um, It really did lighting a candle, you know, for a lot of people, uh, lighting a candle on the day that marks the anniversary of a loss Mm -hmm. is very helpful. And um, because what they realize is that the marking it acknowledged it. It honored it and it was a way of showing themselves self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And so although they may have still been sad, they were kind of held by that that love. They and and that was comforting
0: for yeah. them. Yeah. I love that. I think we all need more self-compassion. Uh, yeah, Maisie, what talk to me a little bit about self-compassion and how we can do more of that. I need more of that. I know a lot of women listening definitely agree, they need more too. Like, what are some things we can do? How do we retrain our brains to to include that or to respond that way or respond the way we're going to respond, but then like default back to self-compassion? Yes.
1: And I I agree. I think self-compassion is a huge thing. And I tell you, in, in recent years, it is something that I um, have really seen how much of a need there is for self compassion, um, and how healing that is. And, um, so self compassion, there are a lot of components to it. I think if, and, and I'm going to get to the answer, but I just wanted to share this resource. If any of your listeners are really curious about learning about the nuts and bolts of self-compassion, Kristen Neff, N-E-F-F is like the self-compassion researcher expert out there. And she's written a wonderful book called (laughs) self-compassion and, um, and she also has a website with a lot of free resources on it. And so I recommend uh, folks check that out because it's just a really rich website. But there are a lot of components to self-compassion. And, um, you know, one of them is this just being aware, letting ourselves admit our feelings, because if you think about it, denying our feelings is a very harsh way of dealing with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to let myself be sad. Like, that's the total opposite of self-compassion. So just letting ourselves um Experience what we're feeling. Uh, There's also another component of self-compassion called common humanity. When we are in a tough spot, when we're experiencing stress and anxiety or loss, our inner critic, and I do connect it to our inner critic, likes to try to make us feel like, well, you're the only one. Everybody else's life is great. You, you're the only one. Everybody else is happy. You're the only one. Everybody else is having a fine time in, pan, in the pandemic. <laughs> you're the only one. And so recognizing I'm not the only one in pain. Pain, um, although a painful part of the human existence, it is part of the human existence. I have not been singled out in the world to experience pain. Um, pain is, is what connects me to other human beings. I am not the only one. So really... Uh, trying to speak against that that inner critic. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so being aware of our feelings, recognizing I'm not the only one, um, and also just recognizing I'm going to treat myself the way that I want to treat other people. And I would never tell someone, I would never speak to someone the way that I'm speaking to myself right now. I would never call someone an idiot. I would never call someone a failure. I would never um, beat somebody up for making what I intellectually know is a simple mistake, the way I'm beating myself up. Mm-hmm. And so really tuning in to, to the harsh language that we use. And then I think this other component of just, I'm a super visual person. And so when I think of this, I, I picture like just opening ourselves up, like opening up our chest cavity and letting light <laughs> shine mm-hmm. shine into us and just letting us receive Um, God's love, like that really is what self-compassion is. It is receiving the love that is already there and, and it's letting it get inside of our heart and our soul. It is receiving that grace that is already there and letting it take root in us rather than being this thing that I need to strive for, I need to try to earn, I need to try to become deserving of. It is just receiving that grace and love that God is already pouring into our lives and then living from that place of truth, which is I am loved. I am loved no matter what I do, what I say, what I don't do, what I don't say. I am loved at the end of a day where I did everything on my to-do list. And I am loved at the end of a day when I yelled at my kids and got nothing done. Like I am loved and that is unchanging and that is unshakable in my life. And I think that belief of I am loved is really the root of self-compassion everything builds on there if I believe I'm loved I'm much more patient and tolerant with my feelings right Um, if I believe I'm loved I'm much more patient when I make a mistake Um, so that's kind of the root of it
0: love that that's so beautiful and I love that illustration too like letting that light in because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to not you know and to Mm -hmm. criticize um, ourselves Maisie, you, you've been a therapist for how many years?
1: I have been a therapist. This is my 14th year practicing.
0: OK, yeah. so you have spoken with a lot of women. You have helped a lot yeah. of women. Um, but I'm curious on your own journey and all like the wisdom that you have, what do you feel um, in your own life? What do you feel that God has set you free from?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I, the very short answer is he has set me free from a lot. And um, this idea of um, you have been set free to be free um, from scripture, that has been a big part of my life in adulthood. It's been a huge part of my life for the past seven years. And um, and he has really set me free from um, a lot of shame. Um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Her work has been life changing for Mm -hmm. me. Um, and she defines shame as the, the feeling of not being enough and therefore fearing uh, disconnection and not belonging and that fear of not being enough. And I mean, I could just give you the laundry list, not being smart enough, not being capable enough, not being competent enough, not being a good enough therapist, not being smart enough and business savvy enough to start my own practice. Um, not being kind enough, not, I mean, I mean, just the list goes on and on. I'm an Enneagram one. I don't know if you're okay. Me too, girl. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So, so I have a really loud Inter- inner critic Same, yeah. and um, really loud. And so just that of God setting me free from a lot of lies that I believed for a lot of years that kept me very small and safe, but small and confined and, you know, um, just setting me free from that, helping me to see the truth, giving me the courage to believe the truth that um I am capable. I am good enough. I am smart enough. And I am those things, but I am those things because God works in me to make me those things. Like it's not all on me. It's not all on me to read all the books out there. It's not all on me to be, um, you know, the the best private practice manager. You know, God is working in and through me. And if he has called me to something, he's not going to leave me alone on the journey to figure out the way to the destination. And so, yeah, just really being free of a lot of not enough and um, self-criticism and stepping into that freedom of living the life that God has created me to live. And that doesn't mean every day is a cakewalk and I hear the the birds chirp every day, but there is that that underlying hope and assurance and truth that that I am loved and, and I am worthy and that isn't determined by me. Yeah, that was determined um, before I even took my first breath.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I can relate yeah. to a lot of that. Um, Maisie, tell us of where people can follow along. What you're up to. Get a little bit more wisdom. All these things. I felt like this was such a great conversation. I I feel encouraged and just reminded of so many truths. Um, if people want more Maisie, where where can they get it? <laughs> Um, well, thank
1: you. I've loved chatting with you. This has been a lot of fun for me. So if you would like to follow me or see what I'm up to, you can check out my website, Uh, You can also check out uh, my practice website. Cultivate's website, which is cultivateatlanta.com. There are a lot of wonderful free resources um, on our Cultivate website. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. The handle is Cultivate Atlanta. I post every day tips, resources, words of encouragement. Sometimes I try to be funny. Sometimes that works. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't. All Um, of us. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But yeah, Cultivate Atlanta on both Facebook and Instagram. I'm there all the the time. So, um so yes, that that is where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Maisie. It's seriously been um just a gift to hear what you've learned and what you know and what you have to share with the world. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorketcho.com. B E C K Y M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O dot com. Thanks for listening in.